How's it going, everybody? This is Brent Pritt with the first ever episode of the Science of Falling podcast. And with me, I have Edward Whitehead. Uh, he has a master's in education, uh, so he is the master, as he likes to be called. And he is also a parkour instructor at the Maine Warrior Gym here in South Portland, Maine. Uh, what's going on, Ed? Not too much. You know, I think as is with everybody else right now, you know, we're all kind of at home, like social distancing, uh, not at the workplace. So it's a good opportunity to catch up and chat and, uh, you know, see, you know, make sure everyone's like, still alive and like, you know, doing okay. Yeah. Uh, struggle bus, man. Struggle bus right yeah. now. I've been locked yeah. up for two weeks. I'm going crazy. So yeah, as you, we kind of talked about before we started recording, uh, this is my new project, The Science of Falling. I'm making a website. I'm making a blog. I'm making a podcast. Hopefully, it doesn't end up too bad. Um, nice house, man. Nice house. Oh, thank uh, you. For those people listening, I am making a video of this, too. So you can watch the recording if you want to see Ed's uh, beautiful uh, home he just bought and face. Faces yeah. he's showing right now. Um, yeah, so the whole thesis of this is learning how to fall from a PT perspective and why that's important for people to just to kind of learn how to use their body. So Ed has the parkour instructor, you know, expertise. I want to hear what he has to think about that. Um, you know, I think it is my personal belief that uh, parkour is the future of fitness in the respect that it is so practical and applicable to mm -hmm. so many different uh, ways of moving. You know, like we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording, you know, how uh, other sports don't you know, have that kind of aspect. Yep. Uh, whereas like parkour is all encompassing and you find it, you know, actually in a lot of professional sports teams, they use kind of those kind of training practices to, you know, reduce injury in their athletes and things like that. So, you know, uh, Manchester United is actually an example of that where they uh, had folks from parkour generations. It must've been about like, this like several years ago at this point, but they uh, had some instructors uh, teach their uh, athletes how to and you know like shorter rolls and things like that kind of like ukemi style stuff yeah and uh you know they decreased their injury rate by a significant margin i forget the exact numbers it was around like 10 percent you know which is a significant amount uh you know for a season Huge. um yeah um you know I, i'm pretty sure that's what the number was it was a while ago since i read <laughs> the study but um all right so ed's saying somewhere around 10 percent is what yeah we're, yeah what we're thinking yeah that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, and you know, I think the way that it incorporates the whole body in, um, you know, you're moving your whole body with in a range of different diverse movements. I think you know that just having, you know, just knowing like how to land um, mm -hmm. properly, like even if you're not like jumping that far off the ground, just like knowing how to like load your muscles properly. It's going to save you a lot of grief, um, you know, later down the road because, you know, you have like improper jumping technique. You might not feel it now, but you might feel it in 10 years if you're jumping yeah. that way for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, you know, in, in, in synopsis, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's practical, it's useful, and uh, it uh, kind of teaches you like proper movement mechanics, I think. Awesome. Well, that's, that's interesting that you bring up uh, Manchester United because for Americans, you don't know who they are. They're the traditional football soccer as we like to call it correct right yeah and um it's interesting i've never even heard that they had some sort of parkour instructors from parkour generations you said came out to them yeah yeah that's awesome because that to me that's kind of like that's the epitome of what parkour and the the 
I don't want to say ukemi because it's not traditional ukemi, but the parkour ukemi methodology of learning the fall, it's kind of like that's the epitome of using it. It's using it in a high risk situation such as playing a game at such a high level. And yeah, learning to land. I mean, ACL tears, if you jump and you land awkwardly, that's an ACL right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just learning and refining those movements and, um, you know, learning the shoulder roll if you take a bad fall and come out of it. Um, I've seen some quite a few baseball players, actually. There's some videos online of baseball players who get tripped up somewhere and then they, there's ones that fall flat on their face and they don't know how to get back up. And there's ones that roll out, you know, perfect, you know, safety roll, shoulder roll. Yeah. Get up and keep on running like nothing ever happened. They end up making the home run or whatever it is. So it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Let's, so let's talk about your your instruction of that. So you work with kids and adults, correct? Yeah, mo- mostly kids, but adults as well, a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I've worked with you. We, I've been in your yeah, classes. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah. I been in your classes? Yeah. I, I know I've, I've done parkour with you. I don't know if I've actually been we in your classes. We trained together. Before. I don't know if it was like a formally a class, but yeah. Yeah, same thing. So tell me about that. I mean, you're taking a kid, right? Let's start from the very beginning. You're taking a kid that's sure. never done parkour, may have issues in their movement. They're not very coordinated. How do you kind of go about teaching them these roles and kind of explaining to them if you do the importance of them? Well, I, I think the thing to consider too is that there is no average person, right? You know, like mm-hmm. average is kind of a myth, right? Where like it's based on a bunch of data and, you know, you, you accumulate it all together and sure you get an average, but if you're looking, you know, at, you know, five people in front of you, there's not going to be like one average person in that. So basically, you know, when I, whenever I start uh, a new like session of classes with a new like cohort of students, mm-hmm. I'll kind of give them like pretty like basic fundamental drills and I'll show, show it to them first and you know, that, you know, pretty low risk stuff. And I'll be like, all right, try to copy that. And then I kind of get like a baseline of where they're at. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm finding like, oh, okay, like the, picking this up fairly quick then that kind of dictates you know the speed of how i can like throw stuff at them if they're kind of you know moving kind of more slowly or you know there are challenges that i observe in their movement then i have to you know take a step back and be like oh okay so like maybe we do have to spend a bit more like time like Mm -hmm. going over like the finer nuances of those movements and you know like it's like I'm not like having them like do wall flips on their first day, but like, you know, like I'll have them like maybe do try a step vault or precision jump. You know, you know, folks who aren't familiar with parkour terminology, you know, you're like going up and over a box with your, you're stepping on a foot with one hand on the other side, precision mm-hmm. jump, jumping on a balance beam, that kind of thing. Um, and then besides that, you know, once you get into it, it's all about, progression right so you have to it's really important especially as you go up to the higher like echelons of parkour movements that uh you have to break it down and look at it in its constituent parts and you drill those um until they're like perfect and then once you've mastered that progression only then can you go on to the next progression and figure that out because if there's any kind of uh, break in the chain, so to mm-hmm. speak, it kind of you're you're kind of setting. It's a difference between setting a good foundation of a house and then building a house on sand, right? So yeah. like like on the top of the house, you know, it looks great, but if it's like built on sand and then you have a rainstorm and uh, you know you're not prepared for it, whereas if you have solid foundations underneath, if you have slightly imperfect conditions, 
you still have that foundation laid there so uh, you can carry through with that movement in an effective manner if that makes sense it makes 100 percent sense yeah so yeah. going going with the the kind of ukemi and the the falling how much of that of that that base of the house do you think really plays plays into it um that's a really good question i think you know with, with the parkour role i think it, it kind of it, it kind of depends i think before you I keep going ex explain explain the parkour role because i don't think people people hear parkour role they have no idea what you're talking about kind of give, give them a sense of sure okay so the the parkour shoulder roll roll or a break fall roll excuse my accent if you can't hear what I'm, you know, I'm saying but um it basically what it is is you're landing on the balls of your feet and then you're drawing a line across the diagonal of your back kind of starting from up by like the shoulder blade on the back across your hip mm -hmm. um it's, it's kind of referred to in some uh circles as the soft tissue pathway where i, I call it meat to meat personally meat yeah, yeah. Go meat, yeah. To meat. <laughs> meat to meat yeah that's uh, yeah uh, that sounds better as more ring to it. Um, but um, yeah, you're trying to like go over your shoulder. And basically the idea is that you're increasing the time that it takes for you to get to a full stop, thus diminishing the impact force of that landing. So it's kind of like the, the difference between slamming on the brakes and getting whiplash versus uh, gently pushing on the, uh, the brake pedal coming to a slower but gentler stop. I love it. That was beautiful yeah. explanation. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry um, for interrupting. Carry on. No, no, no. I think, you know, it, it's definitely the, the parkour role is probably the easiest skill to learn, but it's the hardest to master, right? Because there's, there's a lot that goes into it uh, when you start messing around with different applications of it. You know, you can use it to go over obstacles you mm -hmm. it, it, it can you know when you start messing with different heights you know the timing of when you initiate that role changes as well um so you know it's it's a it's effective around you know the highest i've seen folks really jump is around like 12 feet mm -hmm. and that you know and that also depends on you know how much you weigh like how much muscle mass you have uh, how, you know, there's this concept in um, parkour called body armor, right? And it's like, you know, you're building muscular mass because if you have more elastic uh, body tissue, there's more that you, more force that you can dissipate, basically. Um, so, I mean, the highest I've ever done a drop to a shoulder roll is around 10 feet. And that's kind of like pushing it, you know. Which like, is, I, I mean, people see these, you know, parkour athletes on YouTube do it. Yeah. And it seems like it's nothing. It's it's no joke. I think I've done eight feet, and I felt a nice little uh, tremor through my body when I landed. And I mean, I think you were there when my buddy actually ended up breaking his leg on a four foot. Mat. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, like, and he was on a four foot. Uh, no, nah, is that four foot? Three foot? Probably like a three foot thick mat, and he still broke his leg. So it's the technique, really, if you do it correctly, and you got the body armor, like you're telling me. Yeah, it, it works. It, it's a it's a magical how much reduction in force you can create. Yeah, um, it's it's all about the timing of it, really. Like you want to be hitting on the balls of your feet, and then you want to be initiating that roll, you know, almost immediately after mm -hmm. that. Because if you stick the landing, 
you know, even for like a fraction of a second and then go into the raw, you, your body's already absorbed all that impact. So it is, it's one of those things that is invaluable uh, to practice over and over and over and over in different types of, uh, you know, heights and uh, angles and things like that, because um, you want to be able to prepare yourself, you know, for worst case scenario, right? You want to be able to, you know, if you biff a jump or something or, uh, you know, you, you find yourself in a burning building, for instance, and you have to like do a drop, um, you know, you want to be able to be prepared for that. But I think, you know, in terms of like general parkour, you know, it, it is, it is an important skill to learn just in that you have this kind of exit strategy if something doesn't work out. And, you know, if you want to be not just training it uh, going forwards, but also backwards, um, you want to be training it, you know, in, you know, a novel application, right? So you want to not just practice it going forwards, but also going backwards, sideways at different angles, over different shoulder, things like that. So that say, you know, you do a backflip and you like, you're over rotating, mm-hmm. um, you're able to, you know, you land on your feet, but you still got backwards momentum coming this way. You're able to like, you know, roll out of it effectively and cause yourself minimal um, injury. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been in that. I think I fall more often than I would like to. And I've somehow always gotten, I've gotten pretty good at ukemi because I fall so much. So, I mean, yeah. I'm with you on that. You definitely got to be able to think on your feet. And I think that's one of the most important things. And that's kind of the main premise of what I'm trying to push with this kind of project is that we shouldn't wait to learn how to fall until we're in the a high risk category, even though I think we should. Um, a lot of PT places now don't teach how to fall. Um, they teach how to be strong and how to have your balance. But as we both know, living on the East Coast right now, a uh, patch of ice um, some sort yeah. of loose gravel somewhere can send you to your butt real quick. And if you don't yeah. know how to fall, but no matter how much balance or strength you have, it could end up bad. So like in the parkour methodology, you're learning as a kid, like we were talking about originally, uh, I feel like it just ingrains it so much where it's second nature. Uh, yeah. I've had situations where I've been walking upstairs and I trip and I just end up in a shoulder roll without even thinking about it. I don't know if you've had any real life experiences like that, but. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think. You might be um, more graceful than I am. The, <laughs> um, uh, I, actually, there was a time in high school where I was putting, or we were taking decorations down from like a winter formal, mm-hmm. like dance gathering kind of thing. The uh, the ladder that I was on, I was like reaching to something, uh, and um, the ladder, like I, I was kind of like, if you can imagine, I'm like facing a ladder like this, and I'm like reaching back like that to try and grab something, and the ladder like overbalanced this way and it started tipping this way and then so i'm like oh well then this is happening so (laughs) i uh i pushed off um landed into a roll like it wasn't like perfect but um you know i was you know i didn't break anything so it was you know having that kind of training uh to be able to do something like that and kind of save yourself is invaluable i think to a lot of different um you know careers and even if you're not like an athlete you know like just like knowing how to fall is really important. And as you say, you know, like, especially, you know, in New England, um, in, in states like, you know, Maine, Vermont, you know, there are people, you know, as an older population, right? Much older, so, yeah. Yeah, so, like, just understanding basic body mechanics of how to fall. But I think there's other stuff that, you know, plays into that too. You know, with, like, 
you know, weight bearing exercise and stuff, you know, being able to keep up your bone density and things like that, you know, that the adage of, you know, move it or lose it is, you know, very applicable, especially as you get older, because as people get older, they tend to slow down. And that's kind of like where you see more injuries happening. So, you know, I think the combination of those two elements is super important, you know, in um, injury prevention, especially as you get older. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've, I've been trying to figure out because a lot of these, from a PT perspective, when you have a patient coming in, they already have a fall risk. Like, you know, they already right. either had falls or they've almost had falls or they have some sort of like vestibular inner ear thing going on or any kind of neurological disease. Taking them where they're at and trying to incorporate fall training into it is a little difficult. You have to figure out the best way to do it. And sometimes it's not going to be perfect. And I guess I want to pick your brain on how, how would, with the older adults you've, you've trained with or trained, kind of comparing the children in their, their learning aspect of how well they pick it up and you know, what are the different strategies you might use with an older adult? Um, I think, you know, the biggest difference between kids and adults, um, you know, aside from the physical ones is kind of attitude towards this kind of stuff, right? You know, as a kid, you kind of have this, you know, well, I always speak for all kids, but most kids have this idea of like, being invincible, right? Or at least being ignorant to the fact that they could ever get hurt doing any of this kind of stuff, you know, whereas adults, you know, they've had all this experience throughout their lives where, you know, maybe they have had an injury here, maybe they did play sports when they were younger, uh, and they injured themselves, or, you know, especially coming into a PT office, you know, I'd imagine that, you know, folks aren't walking in because, you know, they got out of the right side of the bed in the morning, They're probably coming in because they have an injury, right? So, um you know in in the same way you know we have a lot of people uh, coming to our gym you know they have like um goals of like weight loss and stuff maybe they have like high blood pressure things like that so they have you know these you know we'll say they're like at risk right um so you kind of have to change your attitude towards how you might train that. So if a kid, you know, you're trying to be like, yeah, this is fun and exciting and woohoo, like we're, we're being ninjas or whatever. Whereas like you have, um, you know, working with adults, you kind of have to meet them more at their level a little bit and kind of show them like, oh, it's not so bad, you know, and a lot of things in parkour, you know, it, it's like, as you know, going back to what we were saying, it's all about that progression and like with, mm-hmm. with like, you know, who let's say they've like had a fall and um, you know, they've injured themselves in some way. It, it's about stretching out those progressions a little bit and like finding more intermediary steps um, to kind of make that transition a little slower so that you're building like, you know, a super, super solid foundation um, of, and, being able to see how that translates um, a little bit more uh, readily just because there's more steps in that process. Yeah. Do you think, because I've read a lot of studies on falling in the last couple of months to kind of prep for this, this science of yeah. falling project. There was one study that took a bunch of older adults and basically taught them how to fall. And they found that older adults were able to learn and to learn well. Um, and I think they were using like uh, martial art technique, techniques, which yeah. are similar to parkour. But I think parkour is, made it a little more real world applicable. But in your experience, uh, I know you have to piece it out for those progressions. Is it more of a mental thing for them? Is it a learning thing? Is it um, just getting their body up to that level of fitness? 
That makes um, sense. It, yeah, I mean, it really depends on who you're talking to and who you're working with. But I think, you know, if you're looking generally, it comes down to a couple of things. So it's interesting you bring up learning, right? Because, um, you know, kids do, their brains are a lot more plastic, right? And, the, you know, that meaning that, you know, they're able to learn stuff more readily. Um, whereas adults, uh, their brains can sometimes be a bit more rigid and they may be, um, I don't know if stubborn's the right word, but like, um, yeah, it's, it's harder to learn new things, especially if you put in like that emotional piece, right. Where like, Oh, that looks dangerous. I don't know if I'm you know, ready for that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting, you know, like how, or like where you might see that. So like you take someone like who's you know, 15, 16, tell them to jump up onto like a two foot box and do a box jump. No problem. But if you, you know, get someone who's like, you know, 45, 46, um, you know, they've been out of the game, so to speak, for a little bit. And you say, all right, jump on that two foot box. Their attitude is completely different. And that, yeah, I'm not saying that it is for everybody, but just in like my experience, just using a recent example, you know, you, you had to do some quick, like, um, your personality assessment of those individuals and kind of see like what they're comfortable with. And it's kind of, you know, my approach to it is kind of like, you know, I'll give them different options of things to do. So like I'll run a class and, you know, there are different skill levels within that class and I'll have like either it's a, a drill or a route. And I try to have like an easy, medium and hard option to try and like challenge folks in. And, you know, I'll see, I'll, I'll run them through that. And, um, you know, sometimes people will surprise themselves, you know, they'll say, oh, maybe I'll try the intermediate one. And, and, oh, you know, it was like easier than expected. And, you know, on the other side, sometimes too, we see like people like bite off a bit more than they can chew and they're like, oh, I have to like back up a little bit and like figure it out. Uh, so I try to make things scalable so that, um, you know, people can kind of pick, you know, what they feel comfortable with. And if, you know, they often surprise themselves, I think, because it's, you know, as long as you're, you know, spending the time to go with them and say, you know, be able to give constructive feedback and tell them like, this is good, this needs to change, et cetera. I, th- I think you have to be realistic too with those expectations, you know, like, you know, you want to be able to give them realistic options that they can, they can work with, I think. I don't know, no. rambling a little bit towards the end there. But. <laughs> no, but like, if I'm going to try to like condense what you said, basically, yeah. it comes in all three kind of things. It's a, it's a mental game for them. It's also learning depending on, you know, if it's, if that skills within their pre-existing wheelhouse. Yeah. And also it's a fitness thing. I mean, if you haven't moved in 20 years, I mean, I'm surprised from a personal training side, you have people who haven't jumped in 20, 30 years, depending on how old they are. You know, yeah. you have people who haven't ran in 20, 30 years. And getting them to do that can be mentally scary. And also mentally, they don't know if their body can get to that level yep. ever again. They, they feel like it's my normal. I'm not going to be able to do it. So when you give them three different options and they do the easy one, it gives them a little boost. And they say, well, maybe I'll try the intermediate level. And all of a sudden yep. they do it. And now you have a confidence boost. Their, their mental image of their self-fitness is you know, higher now and it allows yeah. them to open up a lot more doors. So whereas as a kid, you don't have those pre-existing thoughts in their head of, Oh, I can't do that. They see something they've been told their entire life. They can do whatever they want until they're like 10. And then that dream's crushed by their teeth. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then they, they just do it. And you know, who cares if they get hurt? They don't think about it because they're so 
bendable and malleable anyway, they're going to roll out of it on accident. If that kind of condenses what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of factors. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how would you, I'm curious about this because parkour has a bad stigma. I mean, I, there's younger generations. Yeah. yeah. Me, me and you look at it as not only a workout, but it's, it's playing for us. You know, when we got the whole gym or outside area, we look around and it's a creativity. Like it's almost like someone who has a painting and they're yeah. about to paint a masterpiece. We look at it and say, Oh, I could do that. I can jump over this. I can jump to there. Blah, blah, blah. It's us playing around. And then you have a, you know, a 50 year old adult walking by and say, look at these wackos jumping on stuff like they're children. Yeah. So how would you, if you had to say you're in a PT clinic, right? You got your, you're a licensed PT. You're trying yep. to, you're in my position. You're trying to figure out how to get an adult who's fall risk to want to learn how to fall and not be scared of it and look at it as something positive and say, instead of something that they might possibly get hurt with. How would you mark that? How would you make it kind of fun or however you want to do it? You know, it's, it is a big issue, um, you know, similar to skateboarding culture, I think, you know, I think Instagram has had a huge impact on parkour community in the sense that like, you know, you see like the, the folks that get the most views and hits and stuff are those who are doing the craziest things. And I think, um, you know, when you're talking to people and certainly when I talk to people, um, you know, like. I don't know, like I'll, I'll pop a wall flip or something and they're like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, like I could never do that. And yeah, you know, I tell them the story of like, you know, where I started to learn that. And there's like 10,000 hours of training that's gone into that before that point, at least, you know. Mm-hmm. So like it's, um, it, it's something, it, it's important to recognize that, you know, it all starts from somewhere, right? And you know, you have to start super, super small. So you're going back to like, you know, those folks are talking about who you haven't jumped in 20 years, you know, we start with jumping. And even Mm -hmm. if it's like, you know, jumping like a couple inches in front of you, uh, just like starting with that, um, you know, I think you had to kind of try and separate the activity from the, the culture a little bit. Um, when you're looking at it in that kind of application, I think, um, it, it is difficult, I think, because it, yeah, it, it, parkour does have, you know, questionable legality, legality to it sometimes. Um, True. if you're, you know, in the U S it's a, it's a kind of a unique situation because there's, n- there's no real like public property. It's all owned by someone. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you get hurt, um, you, you know, they're liable for it. Whereas like you go to places like, you know, Canada, the UK, you know, there are places where it is public, but, um, yeah, there are other sides, uh, you know, in the UK, uh, where there are places where they literally have no parkour signs and it's, it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, I think you have to, you have to be objective about it. Right. I think, you know, if you're, if you're using it in like a PT application, you remind folks like we're not teaching you how to jump off of buildings, but if you trip, you know, this is how you might, yeah, this, this could save you from spraining or breaking your ankle or something, you know, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it, it is a tricky one to answer. I think, you know, it, like you and I obviously know the benefit uh, of, of the activity. I think it's something that, you know, the the attitude towards parkour 
can't be fixed overnight. I know like um, there are some groups that will, you know, they'll go out training and um, even before or after they train, they'll do like a garbage pickup. You know, they'll yeah. like take trash bags out and they'll clean up the space and um, make sure it's clean as a, you know, as a gesture of goodwill saying like, mm-hmm. listen, like we're here, you know, we're here to be constructive. We're here uh, to do something, you know, that's bettering our bodies and ourselves. We're not vandals. We're not trying to, you know, be public menaces. You know, it's, um, it, it's really important about how you, you market yourself as an athlete. You know, you want to not give off the impression that, um, you know, you're a juvenile delinquent, right? <laughs> you know, you want to, you know, you know, respect, like, you know, if someone tells you you can't be there, you can't be training, you have to listen, you have to, you know, be polite about it. I think, you know, the image of parkour, you know, certainly hasn't been helped by uh, folks like um, Ali Law and like the sort of crane climbers and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of gets lumped into the, um, lumped into being as, as parkour where it really isn't, you know, like a lot of stuff, you know, parkour is trained on a lot closer to ground level because, yes. you know, with the exception of like stuff you see like in London and that, and maybe Paris, like a lot of roofs are pretty boring to be on because they're flat. <laughs> And like, you know, there's not a lot to do anyway. Um, so, you know, you're going to find more interesting things closer to the ground to train on. So, you know, there's that misconception. But with like the crane things, it's all about being controversial, right? So yeah. like, it's about, you know, and they're like trying to like get the police to come and run away from the police and things like that. And that definitely gives parkour a bad rep for sure when but because you know the general public doesn't you know they see someone like climbing around in a building it's like oh that's parkour um but it really isn't you know it's just it's someone someone buildering is what they term it when you're climbing on buildings kind of like bouldering right um, uh, yeah it's like it's not even that it's like you know this dude just like climbs up a ladder on a crane and like has a GoPro <laughs> and he's like check it out we're here like we shouldn't be here kind of thing and um it's just all about like getting the likes on youtube yeah. and Instagram. And I think that's like, you know, uh, as you're know, moving forward as a sport, you know, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is like, you know, how, how do we sell ourselves to the general public in, in a way that's, you know, constructive saying like, listen, we're, you know, we're just trying to better ourselves. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We're not trying to damage property. And I think, you know, a big part of uh, that, a big thing, in, especially in Europe um, and other places that uh, has helped with that is um, the introduction of things like parkour parks where people have dedicated spaces to train, kind of like mm-hmm. with, you know, skateboarding and things like that. Um, you know, being able to have that and see people use that as, as, um, you know, as a designated training space, I think helps. But then, you know, you have folks and, you know, I love Stora and what they do. Um, but, you know, you have like folks still jumping around on buildings. It kind of like exacerbates that in the sense where like, well, you guys have this space to train now. Why are you still doing this? You know, it's like, it's almost like it's worse because, you know, now, now it's almost like they don't have an excuse, you know? So it's, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, I'm going to bring this back to PT in a second and how you do it. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting because you say store. I remember, and there are parks and they have all, you know, I think the store have their own gym, like parkour gym or something like that. I think. Uh, no, they, I think they're in the process, maybe, of, of making one. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's it's they they obviously have gyms they can train in around there, 
but it's interesting, even if you have a place to train, the the heart of parkour is supposed to be moving through your environment from A to B, right? Point A to yeah. point B as fast as possible. And that really wasn't, you know, inspired in the the cityscapes and getting out there and doing it. So that's kind of where the heart of it is. But at the same time, it creates a stigma. And it's it's interesting because my one of my favorite store videos I've ever watched before was they, I think you might have saw this one where they're trying to race the subway across town. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the friends get on one point and they have to race all the way across town to get into the subway at the other point on the same exact train. It was insane. It was amazing. It was like, it was pure parkour and I loved it. Um, and it wasn't anything outrageous. It was just moving as fast as possible through the environment. Um, they did some crazy stuff during it because they're skilled, but yeah. Uh, but it's that kind of stuff that, you know, I'm almost in my project for this is kind of fighting an uphill battle because you have the parkour stigma. So if I use that word and I've already used it, in my like first article that I've been writing, automatically people will have this switch in the brain that it, go, it goes negative, right? And then secondly, I'd be, I'm trying to get not only young adults, because I want everybody to kind of practice falling, but older adults who have uh, actual fall risk to engage in this practice to make sure that when they do fall, because it's, it's inevitable, everybody's going to fall at some point in their life, whether they want to or not, that they yes. minimize the injury as much as possible. So now I'm finding this uphill battle on bo both fronts. And it's, it's weird that it's such a movement culture like parkour that is so beneficial in its, in its like core principles, especially to this patient population I'm trying to go. I'm trying to marry these two things that have nothing to do together, basically. Yeah. It's hard that it's you have to fight against that stigma. And these people that are doing these crazy things for the likes on YouTube, and, and maybe that's just a social media culture that we're living in. It's everything's yeah. supposed to be outrageous. It's just interesting, man, because I, I, I look at things as like, if you want to get something done, you look at the best people that can do it. So if you want to get lean and lean and shredded, you look to bodybuilders. They might may not be doing it the healthiest way. So you want to talk to a dietitian if you want to do it healthy. But yeah. like if you want to get shredded and see your muscles and striations like nobody's business, you look at how bodybuilders are doing it. If you want to fall and not get hurt, look at parkour, you know, athletes because they're they're doing it the best. I mean, yeah, martial arts are doing it. They've been doing it for thousands of years, but they're also using mats. They're also being thrown directly to the ground. They're not, they're not walking and tripping all of a sudden, like some, you know, a six year old lady might be doing, you know, that yeah. parkour, we can figure out how to, if I fall and trip, I know exactly, I know six different ways to get out of it. So it's just, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's the stigma. It's the perfect thing for these patients, but I'm fighting uphill about it because of the stigma, just like you're talking about. I think with that, you have to use examples of where parkour has been beneficial to society at large. Right. I think the, so proto parkour, the natural method that was started by um, Georges Hebert in the late you know, 19th century, uh, you know, he studied natives of uh, like uh, French Indonesia. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. I know he was like, he was in a colony of France at the time and he was like studying how like the native folks moved and he wanted to like encapsulate that and bring it back to France and basically all like, you know, military emergency service personnel like firefighters policemen they're trained in this natural method right and um you know parkour the word parkour is actually derived from the uh, french expression parkour du combattant which is it basically means obstacle course right or like an assault course right it's used in so many um applications already that people don't even you know know about right so you know you look at like yeah, you know, even if you're not selling it directly as parkour, you can say like, listen, like, check it out. Like, 
uh, parachuters, like paratroopers, they like do shorter rolls, like when they land out of like parachutes and things to like lessen their impacts. Um, you know, like uh, proper jumping mechanics are going to help you like avoid knee problems in the future, right? I think of, um, I'm trying to think, what was I going to say? It was um, trying to think of another like positive example of like where parkour, I mean, like, you know, the work that parkour generations did back in the UK kind of, um, uh, you know, they were the first folks who kind of figured out how to teach parkour to people. Uh, and that was like back in like the early 2000s, like yeah. around 2005, 2006. And, um, you know, they basically, the way that they formatted that was, it was like taking kids off the street, basically. And, you know, there, there have been like, you know, sociological studies on this where like, you know, the kids, you know, maybe they were involved with drugs or things like that. And then, um, you know, they, they gave them like parkour to do. And, you know, there was a decrease in, you know, crime in, in that area. I've had the opportunity myself to work with underprivileged uh, youth, um, you know, in Vermont and uh, a little bit in Maine, not too much, but uh, mostly in Vermont when I was still living there. Yeah. And, um, you know, they give various different ailments, be them like, you know, like emotional behavioral or like, you know, they're on the poverty line, things like that. And, you know, giving them something like constructive to do um that's you know it, it you know, parkour is so individually focused right it's it's about you know the betterment of yourself not trying to i mean you know competition has recently just come up on the scene but i think you know the heart of parkour philosophically is trying to find the, the way that you move right and it being able to navigate your own environment and i think it's down to like you know you can you can kind of like show people kind of like you know, the, you know, give them suggestions and things, but it's about encourage them, encouraging them how they want to move themselves and help them find ways that they want to move um, versus trying to like push it on them. I yeah. think it is, it's interesting to see because, um, you know, being kind of like a fringe activity, I think it kind of, um, it attracts kind of oddball people like myself, you know, like to this kind of, <laughs> activity right um ed you know, is was, a weirdo everybody ed is a strange yeah man. Right. you know i was never too i mean i don't know like i played rugby a little bit when i was in england and i got into other sports and martial arts and things like that but just like there's something you know that i can own myself that i it's about competition with yourself and making yourself better right mm -hmm. and i think like, coming back to like you know your original question like how do you convince someone that this is a good idea to to learn it i think it comes down to like the statistics right you know you show them the data you show them like examples where it's been useful for other people you talk about like how that might apply to you know your situation uh you know being the patient situation yeah uh, and and going from there i think yeah i've, I've like I said, I read a lot of studies on um, falling and whatnot, and most of them were based around martial arts. But there was one study, it wasn't necessarily falling, but it was based on parkour. And it was, it was talking about the uh, person's perception, pre-learning parkour techniques and post-learning parkour techniques. And I believe it had to do with climbing a wall. And I think it was like a six or seven foot wall or something like that. But it was basically the people before they learned any sort of parkour technique, look at this wall and thought it was impossible. After learning techniques, they said, oh, I could probably do it. I have a lot more, um, you know, self-efficacy in terms of I, I have the power to make this happen. 
And I feel like, I mean, as much as that was only about climbing walls, I feel like that's the same thing with, you know, falling. Once someone buys into it a little bit, they learn it, all of a sudden this whole new world pops open, just like you were saying earlier with the three different, you know, skill levels of an obstacle course. It's the same thing. It's just, it's mental game that they got to build up and find that inner power, I guess. Um, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up about like people's perceptions, right? Because you know, fear is such a big part of parkour and you know, fall, Huge. right? Um, you know, there are two. Uh, it's, you know, to my knowledge, uh, there are two hardwired fears in the human brain: there's the fear of loud noises, and then there's the fear of falling backwards, right? And mm-hmm. it's a really hard thing to navigate um, in the beginning of parkour because you have this thing that's hardwired into your brain. It's like literally why we're here today is you know like it you know evolutionarily speaking it's you know it stopped us from you know being you know eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or something or falling off of a cliff and you know like we're still in the gene pool that's why we're here um so you know those progressions become really important because what it's doing is it's training your amygdala um you know which is this tiny like about yay big it's in the back of your brainstem mm-hmm. kind of thing um it's responsible for your uh, fight or flight response right mm-hmm. and the human brain is conditioned to not like anything that is you know that is new or uh, you know isn't familiar right and again same same thing why that is is you know evolution right it's like kept us away from you know potential threats so you know, you have, you know, going back to those you know, foundations, it's about training the amygdala to recognize each of those steps. So, you know, you start you know, close to the ground, just getting that muscle memory down. Then you start, you know, with your hands in a diamond shape, putting mm-hmm. down to the ground. Then you add a little bit of hop into it, then a little bit of height, then more height. And it's really, you know, you're, you're like essentially like laying like amygdala bricks, right? So you're like, <laughs> you know, you're like laying like brick by brick by brick by brick, you know? So it's really important to not go into it too fast because, um, you know, you lay a bad brick, it, it, it pushes all the other bricks down and, you know, like psychologically, then you kind of have to start again. Yeah, basically. no, I get that. And it's, Interesting that you say that because I, I remember I started parkour uh, three, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was before I was living in California, as you know, um, and I was just getting ready to basically figure out where I was going to go for my uh, doctorate in physical therapy. And I ended up going to Maine, where I'm at right now, talking to you. Um, but man, going from one end of the country to the other is terrifying. And I remember doing parkour and like every day. I would go in when I first started and I still get it every once in a while when I'm like actually training, training, which I haven't done in a while, but you get in there and if you're doing something you haven't done in a while or haven't done ever, sometimes you actually get that frozen, like you can't move your heart's, you know, pumping really hard. You're just completely frozen, but it's so, so empowering once you get over that. Absolutely. And it's, it's like, it's, you're laying those amygdala bricks. Like you're saying, like you're, you're getting that fear but then you also you also have to train your body, so your your body's in line yeah. with how much fear you can do. Because I've, it's an interesting thing. I think the only times I've been hurt in parkour is when I either have no fear or I have too much fear. It's it yeah. has to, like I have to be in between. Because if I have too much fear, I lock up and then I end up like posting yeah. arm and doing like a foosh injury. If I have 
no fear at all. I end up doing something stupid because I'm trying to keep up with the little kids that like that are around me doing stuff stupid. Stuff. Right. Yeah. And like I've broken my finger because of that because I no fear did something I shouldn't have been doing, and. I think it's the same thing. Yeah, when someone's doing this stuff, you have to find that sweet spot, build yeah, them think, up, but also keep them in check. Yeah, like humility is a huge part of parkour, right? Like you have to be able to, um, you know, it, it's important to like, and um, you know, confidence is different from arrogance, right? Yes. Like you know, being confident in your own ability, uh, but also knowing, being having the humility to understand, like this is where I'm at. Um, you know, ha- you know, you can, it's not to say that you can't be up here, but yeah, it's a difference of being delusional and thinking you're here, but you're not, you know, where about maybe like four years ago, I had like a pretty serious injury myself. Yeah. And that was a situation, um, you know, where I got cocky and, uh, I was basically trying to do a side flip over, uh, an object and, um, it, it didn't go right. I uh, got caught up on it. And um, I had like a crash mat on the other side, but I kind of threaded a needle where I fell about six feet, like kind of onto the back of my left shoulder and the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, onto concrete, essentially. It was like, yep. like about like yay thick, like rubber matting, but it might as well have been concrete at that, that point. I completely tore through uh, my left AC ligament, uh, partial tore my CC ligament, and I had, um, you know, what's referred to as a breakthrough concussion. I had a seizure. Mm-hmm. I seized for about two minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one, the one fortunate thing about it really is that I, I wasn't conscious to see myself go through that. Because if I, I think if I had seen myself and like what I might have looked like, based on what people told me I look like, I may not be still doing, you know, <laughs> doing parkour. But, um, you know, it was... Um, it's, it is, you know, it, with, with this kind of stuff, especially if you're trying to sell it to someone as injury prevention, mm-hmm. like it's, you have to be super conservative in how you, you sell it to someone. So, you know, as an extreme, you wouldn't have an 80 year old trying to do drops off of a six foot wall, you know, and that, you know, oh, that's, that's, huge, huge that's the first exercise, right. man. Yeah, right. first, first <laughs> yeah. exercise. Front flip off here. We're good. You got a vestibular yeah. issue. Let's um, just go for it. You know, so uh, humility is, is huge in, in this. And, you know, there's no shame in, in starting, uh, you know, right at the very beginning. You know, sometimes, you know, like with kids even, uh, it, you know, well, I should say with kids, you know, sometimes like, this is boring. Why are we doing this? And then, you know, like, okay, well, like, let's try a couple more progressions into it. It's like, it's just too hard. It's like, I told you so, right? <laughs> you know, so those reality checks like that, um, you know, within reason, uh, are good. It was, a, I mean, not to say that you should like throw yourself onto concrete from six feet up onto your head, but, um, it was, uh, it was a, a huge reality check for me because I was about, I think it was like 25, 26. Um, I'm turning 29 this year. Um, I know I'm getting geriatric oh, at this point. Oh, yeah. 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 It was, it, it was weird because, um, you know, not only was it the super huge confidence setback, but you know, my brain chemistry was literally all over the place, you know, after having a seizure and like a concussion and things like mm-hmm. that, I've been Keppra for about six weeks as a, um, which is an anti-seizure medication, um, as a uh, precautionary measure. And, 
uh, you know, it, it really, like, I almost had to like completely learn how to do parkour again, you know, from the ground up. And, um, it was interesting, you know, going into that experience, you know, with effectively like trying to rebuild the use of my left arm again. Uh, I was, it was, it was really painful for me to see like my left arm, like actually like atrophy, like, yeah. you know, I could see my arm getting some more, I'm like, Oh no. Um, but you know, I have like full function of it, you know, now it took me, it took me a little while though. It took me like, probably like seven to eight months for my body to be in kind of the condition it was before my, my injury. Uh, but you know, the brain takes a lot longer is like a year and a half before I started feeling anywhere close to normal again. Yeah. yeah, it takes a it takes a long time, especially all the neurological issues going on, and the whole yeah. arms trash itself from it. I mean, it's it's a long it's a long way back. Well, how, getting back, I mean, I'm just thinking of patients who fell and you know hurt their arm. How did you get back into doing those falling techniques? Because I mean, I think martial arts doesn't use the arm as much, but parkour uses the arm a lot to absorb in the shoulder and to basically you know slinky down into a roll. How how well, is getting back I mean, to that? Like with, with the parkour roll, uh, the arm is more kind of there to like guide, mm -hmm. um, kind of guide you in that position. It's not really absorbing a lot of impact because, um, you, know, you know, with any kind of drops, you know, you won't really want to be thinking about your legs doing most legs of it, there. right? Because it's, you know, they support your own body weight already. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be better at uh, absorbing impact than your arms would be ever. Um, <laughs> but, True. you know, I think it, it, it's important to you know have a solid pt regimen i had a regimen where i was going into the clinic like twice a week i was working on stuff like every single day um you know like with homework they would give me and it is a matter of um you know really sticking to that plan um and then having the fire in your belly to get it back you know like um you know there were a couple moments uh, in that process uh sort of closer to the beginning i guess mm -hmm. whereas like um you know is it worth it getting back into parkour like i could have died if it was like a foot taller or something like what if i had broken my neck things yeah. like that you know but i think you know as you know from an athlete's perspective you know this is my life right and mm -hmm. And, and now it is my livelihood, you know, so um, it's really important. It was really important for me because it was so attached to you know, who I am as an individual, like my identity. Like I was like, not like a question of like, if I, I can do this, it's like, I have to do this because mm -hmm. this is, this is who I am and I have to get back to being who I am. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Especially, I mean, that's another huge thing in physical therapy is when you have an athlete and they, get hurt doing something they love. Like you're a high level football player and they tear their ACL or they just blow out their knee. Is that person going to get back? And if they don't, it's pretty, I mean, like psychologically it messes you up. Cause that, that's most people's identities. Just like yours is parkour. I mean, if you don't have parkour, parkour right now, Hey, I wouldn't have met you if you quit, which yeah. would have sucked. But yeah. you know, it just, it's, it's so much a part of you. Like, I mean, I don't go, two or three days without seeing you put something up on Instagram or Facebook about you doing like a wall flip or doing something, yeah. you know, hardcore related. Um, and I think that's also is a hard part too. Cause when you're getting a patient who doesn't have that moving background, yeah, they don't have that fire in their belly, like you were saying. Um, and I think that's going to be something I'm going to be struggling with in the next year or two, trying to really figure out how to marry these two things and make it into a, 
a inviting package for someone who is fall yeah prone to really want to be a part of yeah i mean like you could look at it in, in the perspective or from the perspective that you know maybe it's not like an athletic activity but say like you have an older individual they have grandkids and you know they yeah the grandkids want to go to the playground and play and you know, want to be able to play with your grandkids right mm-hmm. you know um children uh you know they're running around they're rambunctious things can happen right if you're like yep. you know be like the cool granddad or cool grandma that goes on the jungle gym with their grandkids you know and you have have that kind of um safety net of being able to catch yourself if you fall and having the you know the you know not just like the physical competence competency but you know the um the skill-based expertise to be able to catch yourself you know you, ha- you think of you know, safety um you know like parkour is you know uh, not so much now but like in a kind of because martial artists kind of founded the practice you mm-hmm. know in teaching it that it, it kind of became its own you know martial art of escape you know taking like elements of ninjutsu and kind of um expanding on that um you know, in terms of like, you know, you, you can either fight or fly away, right? And parkour is the fly away part, right? Yeah. Being, being able to escape dangerous situations, you know, like older people, you know, they're more vulnerable, uh, generally speaking, you know, to, um, you know, being preyed on by undesirable people and things like that, because, you know, typically, um, you know, not to say for all older people, but, you know, they, you know they're at risk of that because generally, you know, like not as much, you know, strength, things like that, you know, um, not going to put up as much of a fight. So if you, you know, being able to frame it in a way that's like, you know, these are some activities that you can enjoy without any kind of anxiety. These um, are sort of, uh, you know, good survival techniques just to know you know, in case you do find yourself in these kinds of situations, I think that's kind of like the way to sell it. You have to kind of find the, 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 the motivator as to why you're doing it. Um, I went to this clinic, um, there's a parkour seminar, um, over at hub, uh, parkour training center down in Massachusetts. And this guy, Joseph Henderson, Henderson, sorry, who, uh, is a, uh, he's a storm parkour athlete from uh, team store back in the UK. He did a seminar on fear. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, when you're learning parkour, that has to be a re- reason why, right. You have to yeah. find your why, because, you know, you don't have to do a wall flip. You know, there's, no reason why you have to do a wall flip right or there's no reason why you have to like front flip down these stairs you could just take the stairs right <laughs> you know so like you have to find your own reason why right otherwise you're not going to motivate yourself to learn how to do it because you know they are potentially dangerous things so in the same way you have to think about like what is my why why am i doing this what am i getting out of this why is this important to me you know Mm -hmm. no i agree and i think bringing it back to the falling in terms of parkour and patience i think i mean if if a patient really thinks about it learning to fall there's a huge why behind it like you're saying if they want to play with if an older adult they'll play with the grandkids i mean kids run around you might they might trip you up something might happen if you have a cane a kid might come over and just sideswipe your cane out of you and you might be going down. Um, I've, yeah. I've, I've literally have had patients who give me that exact story and they come in with like 
an ankle sprain or they broke their wrist because their grandkid came over to sideswipe them. Kids went out. They went, <laughs> yeah. I know, man. That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. But it's so interesting. So, I mean, like, I, I like how you said that. You have to find your why. And you gave such a good example, a good reason why an older adult should. And I think younger adults and kids should learn how to fall correctly just because, I mean, you got to make it second nature. If, it, if it's not yeah. second nature and you have a split second where you have to think about it, it's game over. Like, yeah. Like you said, I mean, in a split second, your whole world can change. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Let's let's end right there. I mean, we're running up on time anyway, so let people know where they can find you, or if you if you want anything to promote, like let us hear it. What you got? Yeah, um, so if you're interested in learning a little bit more parkour, some acrobatics, some functional movement techniques, definitely stop by over at the Main Warrior Gym when all this like uh, COVID nineteen stuff is all over and like our doors are open again to the public. Come by, uh, stop by for one of our open gym sessions or a class. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I am at the underscore ed underscore Ukada. So it was like the educator. <laughs> um, um, so you can find some of my parkour clips on there too. Uh, the main Royal gym is, uh, is, uh, rolling out a, uh, online 12 week parkour program as well. Um, to, uh, you know, have some, uh, materials to study from home. They're going to, you know, a multitude of different resources. We're going to have mostly tutorials, but also like uh, webinars and things like nutrition, mentality, things like that. I'll try to send that link to you, uh, Brent, yeah. and put it on your website when this goes up. I uh, was still we'll kind do. of in the, um, the, the finishing touches of like making that live uh, for folks to access. So it's not quite ready yet, but it's going to be ready in the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, give, you know, give me a shout out um you know on instagram like check out my clips um oh, hold like on, hold on. i got i pulled it up for you see if i can get this in the camera can you there you go oh, there yep, is, there it you might go. be backwards but the educator all right look at that handsome chef who's oh that? he's he's beautiful, he's beautiful. <laughs> all right Ed. well thank you for doing this with me thanks for being the first guest on the podcast you know of course man. um i think it was a good first go obviously you know got a, got some kinks to work out with the internet yeah. giving out and everything but uh i appreciate you yeah of course man 